Let's get down, let's get down to business Give you one more night, one more night to get this We've had a million, million nights just like this Episode 3, Let's Go Let's do it, Paul Let's go, banker to broker I think episode 2 is a big success I think so, we've got really good feedback so far, so good. Really looking forward to this episode. I'm a little nervous, to be honest with you. I don't know why. None I'm getting the jitters about. today. Nothing to be nervous about. We've already, we have two under our belt. I know, but we got such good feedback on number two, and I really want to make sure that we... What's we, good feedback there with the Tim and Sid of Mortgage Podcast? Is why that are you good so feedback? upset about that? Is, just, they, is it because they broke up and you're scared not to be with me? No. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> is that what it is? No, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're great. I, I watched their show. Are you going to go on say, breakfast television and leave me here? Ready for a new challenge. I want to go to breakfast television. No, I don't <laughs> think so. I'm okay where I am. Just a fun podcast. So today we're going to talk about the transition and the success that you've had from going to the bank to the broker. I think a lot of people make this move. And I think it's a topic that uh, a lot of our listeners are going to be interested to, to hear about on you know how they prepare what they should do and how they get success. So let's dive right into it. What did you do to hit the pavement running as uh, one of my favorite sayings for a new starter? So I just want to preface a few things. So number one, I know it was a way bigger risk for you to move over from the institutional bank to the broker space, but it was a really scary move for me and one that took a long time and a lot of thought before it was really put into fruition. So course, because I already had two years of mortgage experience, I followed really the same principles that we talked about in episode two. The only difference is, is that I had such of an array of lenders and partners that I could have under my tool belt that it made me more of an asset to my clients. So really the challenge was to learn about all of these lenders and all of these policies and all of these procedures that I could now have access to so that I'm able to still be the expert and provide good service for my clients. The only bad thing wasn't, it's kind of like, you know, I didn't have you by my side, you know, to make sure that I was doing all the activities and make sure that I was on, on track and make sure that I was itemizing and writing everything down. So I kind of had to take that onto myself and make sure that I was still doing all my activities and my activity management to make sure that I can continue the, the book, the growth of the book. So to answer your question, what did I do to hit the pavement running is I wanted to be the expert. So what I did was I set up 15-minute calls with every business development manager uh, that we had access to at ClearTrust, which was probably about 40 or 50 lenders. And I asked them a few simple questions. Number one, I wanted to build report with them. And I thought doing it over the phone rather than email was a lot better. Number two, I wanted to know what was their niche market and what kind of files they were looking for. Because I had a foundational understanding of, of home financing, it was easier for me to say, where do you guys fit in the market? What kind of exceptions do you guys like to give? And what was a recent challenging file that you've seen that you've overcome? And just by those three questions, I was able to understand what kind of deals they, or files they want. And it allowed me to kind of put it into my Rolodex uh, file ideas, let's call them, and utilize them when I was speaking to my clients. So I really hope that answered your question. It did. I love Rolodex. What a word. I know, man. It's Fantastic. like, I'm, I'm not old, obviously, because I've told everybody my age and mm -hmm. I kind of got some criticism for that, but whatever. What, when did you tell people your age? In the first and second episode, but oh. whatever. Well, you look, you look like you're 40. I know. 
Let's not bring it up, Paul. Yeah, people <laughs> like, saw the the picture. Well, why don't you? You know what? Let's let's pause and let's just let's have a personal aspect here. Okay. Today we're at Golf Town. Right. Right. With our mask and our gloves on, no one can see our age. But this is like the fifth or sixth time, maybe actually tenth time, that you go to someone random and say, "That's my father," and introduce me as your father. Like, what are you thinking, Paul? You are my father. I don't. I don't think anyone falls for that. We get the same reaction every time. Lou. Thought you were my father. Lou from Golf Town. Yes, sir. Shout okay. out Lou. Thank you for the And when we deal. were going to the gym, yeah. and you would tell the girl that was signing us that in. That was hilarious. No, but she never believed you. Because I- They I, I always te- believed me. No, there's- that, remember that trainer girl? Remember we were on the second floor and that trainer girl was there? Yes. And she came up to us? Yes. And I was like, this is my father? Yeah. And She's what did she say? That I'm your father. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So Rolodex is where I was, but- I digress. So I really love how you focused on one of the main uh, challenges that people face, which is going from one lender of policies to 30, 40, 50, because we have the, we have a lot at our fingertips, which you answered fantastically. Now, I think another piece that a lot of people are going to want to hear about and a challenge that I think I, I hear from a lot of uh, new agents that have made the switch from the bank is when I call my center of influences, when I call my referral sources and I'm telling them I'm no longer with the bank or the old company that I was with, and now I'm a broker, there tends to be a negative connotation. What did you say? What was your conversation to these folks to say, hey, I'm still doing what I'm doing best, mortgages, I'm here for you? Right. So really to take that question, that was one of the main reasons why I was not second guessing, but wanted to make sure that going to the broker world was the right fit for me, right? Because I built a certain level of certain of influences that know me as Daniel, the banker. And you don't know whether they're dealing with you, whether you're whether, because of the fact that you're a banker or whether because it's you, right? So are they dealing with me because I'm the banker or are they dealing with me because I'm Daniel? Really simply, I picked up the phone to every single referral source that I've ever dealt with. At that time, it was between 40 or 50, right? Even if it was somebody that only sent me one file and I called them and I said, a really interesting opportunities come my way. You know, I'm going to be a bigger asset to you and your clients, and I'm looking to enter into the broker world. And are you dealing with me because of the brand behind me, or are you dealing with me because I'm Daniel? And it was a really interesting exercise to do because I didn't expect for people to say, we deal with you because you're Daniel, but the majority, like over 90%, I would say, said that we're dealing with you because you're Daniel. Why do you think they wouldn't have said that? Because the way the bank makes you feel is that, you know, you, you, you get a lot of business because of the brand, right? And, and you have like a full infrastructure behind you and it's a rep much, a very, very reputable brand. And I was newer in the business, right? So I was kind of earning my stripes as I was going. I always strive to give the best service possible. Like that was, I was very service oriented, which a lot of agents are. And uh, to this day, I'm very service oriented, but they could have been dealing with me because of the access that I had to the bank that I was with. But it was really refreshing to see that they were dealing with me because I was Daniel. Well, the majority of them were dealing with me because I was Daniel. It made me realize that it really doesn't matter what brand is behind me, as long as I'm there to support them and their clients. If I can secure financing for them and their clients, why wouldn't they deal with me? If I do good work and I really respect their clients and you know I'm able to fulfill everything that I you know set out to do, what difference does it make? As a center of influence, 
not every client fits into a specific box. Everybody has a story. Everybody has something that they need a confidant to share with. And I think that having the ability to shop around with different lenders, and you know, I put quotations on that for shop around, but if, if I have the ability to look at different lenders and different policies to fit best for my clients, why wouldn't you, as a center of influence, want that? For sure. What I, what I gathered from your, from your answers, which they're right on the money, is I think it's a great activity for anyone that's looking to maybe make the switch to start talking to their referral sources to say, hey, would you still be dealing with me? Would you still refer clients to me? I'm going to still give you the same level of service, which, which your business mix was that. If not better, because right. now you're able to help a, like an array of clients. And then your COI, your center of influence, doesn't have to have you know a banker, a broker, because they like dealing with you, but not every client fits within the banker model, right? So now they can deal with you as the person that they've built a relationship with and click with from a personality perspective, and have access to all these other lenders and all these other options and all these other you know very exciting ways that we can put financing together for our clients. That's right, and I and I would say for anyone that that's interested in making the move or that is considering it. Similar to what I would say that you had, because I know your business mix pretty well. If 80 plus percent is coming from realtors, solicitors, lawyers, financial planners, et cetera, you will be successful on this side versus the internal kind of handoffs from branches. Yeah. And, and, and to that, you know, if you are somebody that is, you know, heavily reliant on business, on walk-in business, as opposed to uh, your own sourced business, this is a great opportunity for you to diversify your book and kind of really get out there, hit the pavement running, do the activities that we're going to talk about and build a really healthy and uh, sustainable book of business. Because at the end of the day, the walk-ins will dry up and you're not really working hard enough to gain that business and you're not building those lasting relationships uh, that are going to keep your book sustainable. So at the end of the day, I got no problems with people that are, you know, looking for that walk-in business. I think it's, you know, it's easy business if we're really going to be honest about it. But if you want to build something with longevity and sustainability, you got to go out there and make healthy relationships with your centers of influences. Couldn't agree more. Sitting in the studio, I see 2019, you know, the, the gold award for being, was it top? I think it's top 15%. Top 15, 15%. And you did it in six months, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 2020, you win masters, which is top 2% of all, of all brokers. Yeah. Then you win the hot list. You're on, you're on the, the hot list. And, that was pretty uh, cool. That was very, very cool. And you also won 2020 rising star under the age of 35. That, so that was my favorite. So you win all these accolades in less than two years that you've been on this side, right? Or you're, yeah, I think in, I, I believe it's going to be May, two years. You're winning all these awards. And so for, for someone that's had the success you've had, if, you know, is there anything else you want to kind of not a recipe per se, but anything else that that's really contributed to your success to be, to have done this well so soon in this industry? I wish I can give you a recipe, Paul. I like, I, I really wish, and I know that you know that it doesn't exist, but what I do know that you know that exists is being relentless and consistency, right? So if I were to do the activities once a week, I wouldn't be where I am today. If I were to do my calls once a week, I wouldn't be where I am today. If I didn't write down my goals, I wouldn't be where I am today. 
if I didn't want to be where I want to be, I wouldn't be where I am today. So what I want to say is that, and, and Paul, I want you to tell this story. And this story still resonates with me to this day. And Paul doesn't even know this. When I first started, he told us a story about a barber and a man who wanted to get a haircut. Paul, do you remember? I do. So can you please share this story with people? And, and, and listeners, please take a moment to really digest the story that he's about to tell you. Because a lot of agents that I've worked with in the past kind of listen to the story and don't let it sink in. And don't value what consistency does in this business. So, Paul, go ahead. So there was a broker owner that uh, we were in the office about to do a presentation with one of our partners, and he's talking to all of his agents, newer agents, experienced agents, and he said, we need to be out there asking for the business. And if you're not, you're missing an opportunity. He said, every day when I used to walk into my office at one of the locations, there was a barber on the main floor and I'd have to walk by him to go up the elevator to my office. And every time when I was going in there once a week, he would say, hey, you're going to come in for a haircut? And I and and the real the broker owner would always say no no I I have my guy I go to him and and very loyal and and once a week continuously for a year for two years. After a certain point, I think it was after the you know two years, the guy was asking him out once a week. They kept good report. He walks by him and the barber says, "Hey, can I give you a haircut?" And this broker owner said, "My barber actually." was moving to Florida for six months of the year and was no longer here. And I hadn't got a haircut for over a month. And so I finally see him. He asks me and I said, you know what? Let me give him a shot. And from that day on, that became his new barber. So, you know, I think the point that he was making was continue to ask for the business. And once it comes to you and and you get that opportunity, showing how relentless you are and that you know your trade and your craft, you can end up winning that new customer that you've been asking for or getting that referral source. Paul runs a sales training that he does for all newer agents and he runs it, what is it, every four or five months? For, yeah, yeah, quarterly. I try quarterly. So that story is something that is brought up in that sales training and I feel like it's not taken in as it should. What I take away from that story and what I've done with my business to kind of grow it is, number one, always ask for the business and I said that in episode two and I really want to stress that. And number two is, once you get that business, you got to smash it out of the park. So getting the business is great, but you really got to commit to doing the best job that you can so that they continue to refer you, just like the barbers now cutting that broker owner's hair all the time. Maybe I'm just not a good storyteller. That's some kind of feeling on this. Why? I feel like every story that we kind of talk about that we're going to get into, it's almost, it's always better maybe when you say it. So maybe I should just stick to kind of the narration here, but I don't, agree, I digress. But, okay. I digress. I feel like it's not making the same value. Maybe I'm just better live versus uh, on the screen here. Last question for you. I hear a lot of people in the industry say the brokerage or coming to the broker side is like being in the majors. Would you agree? I definitely agree. And given that I was in mortgages, you know, there, I have a network of friends and family, so on and so forth. And one of my buddies is a broker. And when I first started as a mobile mortgage specialist, he came up to me and he said, Dan, why are you playing in the minors? And I didn't really understand, right? And he was a broker already for maybe seven or eight years. And I said, I'm going to learn foundationally what I need to learn in order to be successful. And it was an, it was a natural and organic kind of move from being a financial service representative into the uh, mortgage specialist role. And, and that's kind of how I viewed it. 
obviously also our relationship had a lot to play with it because really I could have gone out after being a financial service representative and became a broker, but I don't think I would have been anywhere as successful as I am today because of, first of all, I got to learn from you and I got regular coaching from you. And second of all, and I hope people don't think that I'm just saying this because, you know, Paul is here and we're doing this podcast together. You could speak to any of the, any people that he really put his heart and soul into. And I think they would say the same thing. And number two is they were able to build me foundationally through the resources that they had, obviously. So now that I'm here and I'm so ever grateful to be here, like I think back to my years when I was, you know, at the bank and I think back to what I'm, what I'm doing now and I'm, and I'm so happy. Not that I wasn't happy there. I was super happy there, but I'm so happy today. And this is like playing in the majors. You have so much opportunity. You have so many doors that open up for you, so many different partnership opportunities, so many different ways you can help clients. There is no reason why you should turn down a client, obviously, for like like real reasons, like, you know, really poor credit or whatever. I don't want to get into that, but there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to find a home for a client. Every file has a home, I feel, in this space. And I feel like at the bank, it just wasn't the case. Like we could help a lot of people. Don't get me wrong. We did help a lot of people. And, you know, the, the, the bank was doing a lot of volume. But being in the broker space gives so much opportunity. And I just, I feel like I could, like, I want people to kind of feel my energy to, for, to, for them to understand. Like there is so much opportunity here. Absolutely. It's insane. Yeah. There's a different path for everybody. But I do think that if you're ready to put in the work, you may not be a top producer in your first year or, or win rookie of the year if you're coming without that kind of background, if you're coming straight from any other roles. But sales experience, credit experience, it's a great opportunity. But the banks do, like you said, add a lot of value and they they really help shape and polish a lot of people. And so we're thankful for that because they've helped both of us do that for sure. I just want to say something and I, I just want to make sure that I'm kind of focused on the point so that we can really help the listeners that are in the space or are looking to make the move or already are in the broker side and kind of want to understand what different brokers or agents do to be successful. So I think that there's three key components that I kind of live by. One of them is being the expert. So I'm always so thirsty for knowledge. Like I'm always reading updated uh, broker kits. I'm always speaking to business development managers. I'm always speaking to colleagues. And I, I'm really trying to understand what's a difficult file you faced? How did you come across certain files that I've done? And, you know, so on and so forth. I always want to learn from different people. And I think with that, it makes me the expert. Number two, I always ask for the business. Of course, appropriately, I don't ask in, you know, settings that are not appropriate, but if permitting, I will always ask for the business. The third thing is I'm not afraid to tell people what I do. And I feel like there's a lot of salespeople out there that are just afraid because they think they come off salesy, but we're not salespeople. We're educators. And I know it kind of sounds cliche, but at the end of the day, you're only going to build rapport with a client by educating them, not by selling them. So those are kind of the three pillars that I kind of, you know, use. And Paul, are we doing uh, an episode on uh, structure and discipline? Or are we talking about, you know, the consistency in what a day should look like for a high producing mortgage agent? Yeah, I think that's definitely on the docket. I think uh, in the upcoming episodes, we're going to look at discipline and routine, the art of discipline and, and having day-to-day -day proper structures is huge. So we're we're actually coming off 
of a two-day sales training yep. that Paul and I just did for, was it 43, 45 agents? That's right. New agents. And we're so excited to share all this info with you guys, uh, the listeners. And, you know, if there are questions, we're going to have some sort of avenue for you, for you guys to get in touch with us because I am so fortunate enough to have learned from Paul. And I think Paul is fortunate enough for, for, to have somebody like me who implemented relentlessly everything he's told me, which is why you see uh, great chemistry between the two of us. Which is why his show is called The Excellence of Execution Let's go. after you. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know what? We didn't touch on comp. I mean, that's a huge piece. Of- that's, that is the biggest piece. The biggest? No, you're upset with me. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not upset with you. I'm not mad. upset with you. Okay, I'm sorry, guys. We're, all, we're all here to earn a living. Absolutely. Right. But I think we, we'd be remiss not to say compensation on this side. You you do work extremely hard on this side. There's a lot of uh, different you know things that you have to do in addition to what you would do if you're working as a mortgage specialist. Yeah. Obviously, right? But uh, But absolutely. I mean, you need to be compensated for it. So, Paul. Yes. You just spent the last 25 minutes talking about me. That's right. That's a common theme. We will spend 25 out of 30 minutes of every podcast talking about you. That's what the listeners want, then. I will respectfully disagree. Nah. You know, there are people listening to this podcast that are either already mortgage agents or looking to grow teams or looking for more senior roles within their brokerage or whether they're managers at the bank, so on and so forth, that want to learn from you. So, there. You were in your short stint. Well, actually, I guess it's not that short. In the beginning of your stint, when you were working at the bank as a manager, you were already regarded as a top 10 manager in your first year. You uh, have numerous accolades on the broker side. You're shaking your head. Did I say something wrong? No, no, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. Okay. I'm you, just, okay. It, you have numerous accolades. I don't like talking about myself. Listen, people need to hear it. Okay. And, and I'm going to interview you, even though I'm not a good interviewer. No, you are. The listeners are going to have to bear with me for a few moments. Okay. So you come over in the first six months, you win the uh, Rising Star Award, right? The top 35 under 35. You're on the 2020. Just barely made that, by the way. <laughs> like a few months before I actually hit the age. I, I, I actually, I almost want to apologize to the listeners because of my laugh. Your laugh's great. I don't know. That anyways. Stands out in the crowd. Anyways, 2021 CMP hot list. You doubled the amount of agents we have at the brokerage. We uh, quadrupled or times five or even times six, the amount of volume that we're doing. So question number one, what does it take to get to where you are as a manager at the bank? Number two, what fueled you to move over? Number three, what specific things did you implement when you moved over to grow the team and to grow volume? Was that too much? You threw a lot at me. So I'm sorry. So I think what I did to be successful as a manager at the bank, I okay. think we kind of talked about that from, from rookie... Give me a quick one. A quick refresher. It was it was really just investing in in people in my people. It okay. was understanding what motivates them. It was helping them s- stay on track with activities and understanding their strengths and working within that. And the way I built my team, as I mentioned, was very similar to to sports, where you need people that are good in multiple metrics and you, you know, you got to have people that are going to produce volume. And so at the end of the day, anyone that's worked for me will know that, but that's what really I did because I never wanted to lose a deal for any of you. It's got to be a glorious feeling when, you know, somebody comes up to you and says, Paul, I want to make 250 grand this year. 
and you know you guys work your butts off the entire year and at the end of the and, the and at the end of the year that agent comes up to you and says paul look at my you know t4 look at my t4a look at what i've accomplished it's got to be a fulfilling feeling it's the best and and there's a formula in place and i would break it down right you know my spreadsheets it was like here's how much you have to do You're every very single analytical for sure to, here's what you have to do every single month and if you get off the rails one month you got to make it up the next month but it doesn't seem as daunting of a task when you break it down. And that's what I just try to do for all of you. You guys will all have different goals, different years, and there's personal things that come up that may alter that. And when, when someone would say to me, I'm going to scale it back a little bit this year. I can't do X amount. I'm going to scale back five, 10 million. I understood the reasoning and we would still try to do that at a minimum and still help them achieve their goals to, uh, to do all that. So that's kind of what I would done, what I did in a nutshell. The second question, what I did to, when I came over, transition-wise, I think was the, was the question. No, that, that was the third. The second question was, why did you make the transition? So I would say, I know I mentioned this a few times, my family being very entrepreneurial, my father was a huge part of me making the switch over. It came to a point where I always wanted to go and do something on my own where I was able to grow and the basically the ceiling is unlimited here right? So there's so many different aspects, routes that we can go. There's so many partnerships we can develop. You can do things like this, which is super cool. And at the end of the day, I'm able to do what I love, which is still grow, recruit, mortgages, people lead, manage, yeah. lead which is my favorite thing, and run a business. And we're, we work for a great company. We're backed by a huge franchise uh, in Dominion Lending. And, and you know, Clear Trust has a great culture. And I was able to bring my beliefs and it just fit. And so being able to do all this, it just, I always wake up and I'm extremely happy and fortunate. And I'm excited to do incredible things and, and put us on the map, which I think we're starting to do. So, Lastly, so tell just me. Qu quickly, so yes. Clear Trust as a whole, very successful brokerage. Yes. Uh, started out West, BC. The Ontario side, the Toronto more specifically side, yep. wasn't as strong as the BC side. So when you came over, there was a few things that you needed to do. I kind of want to understand how you grew the team, how you grew the volume, and how you instilled the culture that we have today. Let me tackle the culture. The culture was already, the culture is already embedded in Clear Trust. So our CEO and a lot of the the partners and and the biggest producers were, you know ex-bankers where they had the culture of camaraderie, they had the culture of inclusiveness, they had the culture of family-oriented. Those things already stood here. So when you already have those, those values instilled, it's a lot easier to come in and be yourself. And so for me to come in here and have some familiar faces, right, yourself and a few others that, you know, hopefully we can bring on the show You've already known kind of where, where I come from, what the background is. And every day, it's just about making people feel comfortable and happy and have a common goal. I think that's the biggest thing. We all have a common goal here. We want to all do well. We all share our successes. There's no one that's hiding anything. You guys will all pick up your phone for anyone. And at the end of the day, we're all here to do very well and make this a fantastic brokerage. I think we also want to be trendsetters in the mortgage community in we Canada. Do. We do. And that's the other piece I would say. Coming over, the culture is the first thing. The second thing is providing support. I think it's a very, you know, not to say brokerages don't do this, but over here, we are answering our phones 24-7. We're always available. 
And we will help anyone that needs that support, whether it's a deal review, whether it's what lender to go to. And that's what we're here to do. I, I offer the monthly coaching. We have monthly team meetings and we have great relationships with our partners that are coming in. So we really wanted to provide that and keep that ongoing coaching support. Like you said, the, uh, the new hire training, all that type of stuff that what we're doing. And that's what really has helped. And from a recruiting standpoint, Daniel, I just continue to build my reputation as a leader. I continue to grow the brand of clear trust and you, I always say our agents, you guys are the best spokespeople for the company. You guys go out and say, here's what we have. Here's what's at our fingertips. Here's the leadership. Here's the company. Why don't you come work for us? And you put them in front of us and then we can offer what we can. That's really to answer all your questions. That's great. What did I miss? No, no, no. You didn't miss anything. I just what I'm gathering from this yes. and to kind of just wrap it all up in yeah, a bowl. Just, just, just really quick is okay. that you love where you work, you know, mm-hmm. and you believe in what we're doing here at clear trust. Absolutely. And this isn't a sales pitch to get people to come work for us. This is a place where you love what you do and you bleed the brand and anybody could walk in through your door and they'll feel like they're at home and they'll feel like they have unlimited support. And that they have, they can, there's no stupid questions. And bec- because people are all at their own levels, right? Like a brand new agent can join and a very seasoned agent can join. We have space for, for both sides, right? And all in between, you are an inspirational leader. And, I'm, and I'm not just saying that. I really want you, the listeners, to really understand. And I think that in the next episode, which I believe is the uh, meat and potatoes of activity management. That's right. Meat and potatoes of, yeah, activity management, prospecting. Okay. You will see the processes and the activities that we've put in place that have allowed us to grow, you know, $10 million producers to $40 million producers and $40 million producers to $100 million producers. That's the goal. Continue and, to get people to grow. You know, yeah. everybody's got their, their kind of threshold of where they want to be. And it's so respectable. $10 million, $15 million, $20 million. It's all good. It's all great. You out, out there helping people, it's all good. Don't give too much away. I'm not. I'm sorry. That's a wrap. I got a little bit excited. That's a wrap. So now it's it's a wrap. That's a wrap. Paul's always rushing me off. We will see you next episode. Let's get down. Let's get down to business. Give you one more night. One more night to get this. We've had a million, million nights just like this. So let's get down. Let's get down to business.